This is Stephen McHugh reporting for Unique Dyslexic I Radio. Hello, this is Stephen McHugh speaking for Unique Dyslexic High, bringing you episode 5 from series 2 of Unique Dyslexic High. Hope everyone's feeling okay, doing away as they say up in Scotland. Rather than feeling okay, we say doing away or they say doing away. Now, the inspiration for this podcast came from an eye test that I had the other day. It's been a couple of years since my last one. Eye tests are generally important for everybody to take, but I'm type 2 diabetic and type 2 diabetes can impact on your eyesight in rather insidious ways. So I was glad to go back and get these uh, these eyes, my peepers, tested, as they say. It's been a while since my last one, maybe two years. It's been interrupted because of the big C, big COVID. I'm happy to report there is no change in my eyesight. There, there was no sign of any kind of early damage, diabetic damage in there which was which was good to know while i was going through the eye test something came to mind about eye testing the last time i was tested the optician informed me that my pupils were larger than average pupils so letting more light now i kind of already knew that because bright sun really irritates my eyes also when i'm looking at a screen uh, when i'm reading the whiteness of the page against the black of the text can blur now, I kind of thought maybe that this was a maybe might have been a dyslexia issue, but it could be a diabetic issue. But it was good to know that there wasn't any kind of eye damage at all, which was really good to know. Now, the last time I went for an eye test, what I did was I got my one pair of glasses uh, tinted grey, and that kind of took the edge off the brightness when I was reading and when I was looking at the screen. But that blurring of the screen is something that many dyslexics report it's called scotopic sensitivity and basically what it means is that the the white page glares and uh, makes the black text blur and it makes it harder to follow harder to read so the right color tinted lenses can help some dyslexics to overcome their reading issues Uh, a clear color overlay can help with this or changing the screen the background screen color of a computer from white to blue to gray to beige whatever you can actually play about with those things on the computer to see which one might enable you to do what you need to do in the computer more effectively and more efficiently i go on about the dyslexia learning toolbox you know just changing the color of the background might be one way of enabling you to do the reading side of things more effectively alternatively we can take a colorimetry test and get tinted glasses to a color that works best for each dyslexic. Colorimetry is a technique which uses specific colors to help with dyslexics or children's reading issues, including dyslexia. It appears to benefit approximately 40% of dyslexics. I'm not sure if any actually knows why that is, but it just we just know it does. The colored filters can be very specific to each individual, and there are more than 2,500 individual colored combinations that be prescribed. This goes back to where I get this unique dyslexic from. Every dyslexic dyslexia is unique to them, and then therefore the solutions are unique to the individual dyslexic. Again, I'm going to go on about that. It's why it's so it's so so important to get a dyslexia assessment without an assessment how can we expect to start building up our dyslexia learning toolbox right now if you're dyslexic and you don't know it it's like getting a punch on the nose from the invisible man you can feel the effect but you can't see what gave you the punch on the nose so i was sitting there doing my eye test with the really bright white screen and the black letters that were blowing a lot on the smaller letters got me thinking about eye tests and asking the question to myself are eye tests for dyslexic as accurate as they can be do they take into account the scotopic sensitivity 
or you know in my case the the pupils that are larger than average do they take that into account i don't know the answer to that maybe somebody else might know that but i certainly don't know that so if you're dyslexic and you feel uh, what I would say to you is give the colour thing a go. Change the background colour of uh, the document in Word and play about with different colours to see if they help you read more effectively or more efficiently. If you can afford it, go for a colorimetry test. I think if you're at university, they might be able to. you might be able to get that paid for through disabled students' allowance. Another dyslexia hint, vision-wise, is using different fonts and font sizes. Personally, I like Verdana font size 11 when I'm using a word. I find it easier to follow the lines. I feel it easy. I, I don't get as lost in the reading as I normally do without when I'm not using that font. Other dyslexia-friendly fonts include Arial and Comic Sans. I personally like Comic Sans more than Verdana. Yeah, I've done it again. When I first when I first started using Verdana, um, a dis, it was a dyslexia thing. I think I used to call Verdana Veranda for ages, even in front of students, and not one student or anybody else actually piped up and said, oh, "Steve, you might be wrong with that. It might be Verdana, not Veranda." But you know that's the way it goes. So alternatives include Verdana, Tahoma, that's T A H O M A, Century Gothic. Trebuchet, which is T-R-E-B-U-C-H-E-T. Calibri, which is C-A-L-I-B-R-I. And Open Sans. My advice is to take some time to play about with font types and sizes on your computer when you have a bit of spare time to find out what works for you. As I said before, every dyslexia is unique to them and therefore the solutions that will enable them to do what they need to do more effectively are unique. And that's why I go on about this unique, unique dyslexia toolbox. Finally, a little shout out. If you are dyslexic or from any other neurodiverse community and have something you'd like to share with my listeners or readers or have a question for me, contact me on steve, S-T-E-V-E dot McHugh, that's M-C-C-U-E at uniquedyslexic.com and that's U-N-I-Q-U-E-D-Y-S-L-E-X-I-C. You can send me a voice file over my via my mobile and you can use an app called Smart Recorder which you can download from any kind of good app store. It's free to purchase, there's no cost to it and it's free to use and it's relatively simple. It's something that I use a lot. My mobile number is 078 287 414 Seven three. So I'm going to say that's this podcast over for today. If you want to leave me some feedback, that would be fantastic. If you would like to leave me a follow or subscribe to my podcast, that would really help the channel out and help me out, actually. That would be fab. I will leave a link to my podcast or at least one of my podcast channels in the text to this podcast. So my phone number is 078 287 41473 Now you notice that I broke it down into chunks my number and that is to make it more accessible give people time to jot it down as I said peace love and grooviness to you all be seeing you at my next podcast thanks very much this is Stephen McHugh reporting for Unique Dyslexic 
Sky Radio. Almost all new ideas are generated by individuals, but they are given life and nurtured by communities and the cultures they create. I came across a new word from Brian Eno. He's the, the inventor of ambient music. Senius equals the creative intelligence of a community, spelled S-C-E-N-I-U-S. We often talk about the genius of an individual, but what about the genius of a community and what a community can achieve together? It struck me that if we're ever to move forward and develop a strong dyslexic community, we need to come together and combine our creative intelligence or dyslexic senius to overcome the barriers that the non-dyslexic community places in front of us. For me, I see the biggest barrier is the idea that dyslexia is a disability and that in some way we are broken. This is a result of what I would call a medical discrepancy model of dyslexia that society has imposed on dyslexics. This model defines us in terms of disability, in terms of deficits and discrepancy and in terms of symptoms. This model tells us that we are broken in some way. We have to discard this medical discrepancy model of dyslexia and consign it to history. This is because this model has nothing positive to say to dyslexics or about dyslexia. If we're ever going to move away from a negative medical model of dyslexia that has nothing positive to say to dyslexics or about dyslexia, we as dyslexics need to come together and create a coherent global dyslexic community. A global dyslexic community that has a more positive social model vision of dyslexia. The social model of dyslexia basically says that it is society that disables us and I will explain how that happens later on in this podcast. The social model of dyslexia has a vision which nurtures and values dyslexic diversity and difference and celebrates all that we have achieved and are still to achieve in the future. The medical model defines us in terms of deficits, disorder and discrepancy. It is a model that has nothing positive to say to dyslexics or about dyslexia. The social model defines us by what we can do and achieve. It empowers us and it frees us from the negative medical model stereotype. The social model of dyslexia defines us by what we can do and achieve. It empowers us and it frees us from the negative medical model stereotype that tells us being dyslexic means we are disabled in some way. That is why I believe that dyslexia is a difference that reflects diversity and that neurodiversity is as important as biodiversity. That's why I talk and write and scream from the rafters at every opportunity about the social model of dyslexia. The social model tells us that it's society that disables but it can also enable. Rihanna said to me in an interview her primary school basically refused to provide her with an assessment something they are legally obligated to do. She left school without a dyslexia assessment. Basically at 10 years old she was told she had a reading age of a six-year-old. The school then told her she was going to start learning Spanish. Her first reaction was how can I learn Spanish when I can't even read English? This is where so many dyslexics first experience society disabling at school. She went on to say her experience of support in high school was the polar opposite. Here she got all the help she needed and she passed her exams and went on into university. This is an example of society enabling. Sadly, for so many dyslexic kids, their experience of school is very negative. I did some research recently on when dyslexic adults were assessed. Only 19% said they were assessed at school. It's not being dyslexic that disables, it is society. For so many, this disabling begins at school. More importantly, to go back to the social model of dyslexia, this is a model that has been developed by dyslexics for dyslexics. It's our model, our solution to the issues we face on a daily basis. The medical model of dyslexia is one that has been imposed upon us. I read an interesting and relevant article the other day. Professor Julie Logan's research at the University of Bristol in 2001 reported that one in five of the UK's entrepreneurs she surveyed was dyslexic. That's twice the rate expected for adults in the UK. Work since then has shown that about 35% of entrepreneurs are dyslexic. 
In 2008, Professor Logan's research at Cass Business School made business headlines when she reported that entrepreneurs who are dyslexic make significantly different decisions compared to non-dyslexic entrepreneurs in two key aspects. Dyslexic entrepreneurs tended to set up more businesses and tended to employ more people. This means that the actions of this group that of dyslexics are important for the economic growth. To go back to the idea that society disables, statistics inform us that around 50% of young people in our prisons are dyslexic. Around 70% of them have some kind of literacy issue. Each one of those costs our society around £35,000 a year to keep them there. Wouldn't it be more prudent to provide dyslexia support at school for a small cost rather than not provide it and end up with a huge societal cost in the end? Statistics tell us a dyslexic is six times more likely to be long-term unemployed than non-dyslexic. This again is because our education system fails dyslexics. Dyslexics succeed in all areas of society, but we have to work so much harder to overcome the societal barriers to do so. I recently read an article that said 90% of successful dyslexics say they are successful because they are dyslexic and that they are successful in spite of their experience of education. Being dyslexic brings with it lots of positive traits. We are very creative, we're intuitive, we're empathic, great lateral thinkers, inventive, entrepreneurial, determined, inquisitive. We are unique. We are unique dyslexics. Thanks very much for listening. This is Steve McHugh for Unique Dyslexic signing out. This is Stephen McHugh reporting for Unique Dyslexic iRadio. Thank you.